Okay, this joke requires a little bit of knowledge of modern Russian history and geography in order to get the joke, but you're going to see it's too perfect of a setup for this topic not to have used it. So the KGB arrests this old Jew and they're trying to in intimidate him. It's back in, in Soviet Russia, KGB. So they say to the old Jew, Comrade, where were you born? He says, Petersburg. And where do you live now? Leningrad. And where would you like to die? Petersburg. Okay, like I said, it takes a little bit of background. But we used to call Petersburg, the communists called it Leningrad, now it's Petersburg. You know, New York used to be New Amsterdam, and uh, Istanbul used to be Constantinople. Okay, why are we talking about this? In Parshas Matos, Ruvain, B'nai Ruvain, the tribe of Ruvain, they go on a conquest of lands on the other side of the Jordan River. Okay, the other side, modern-day uh, Jordan. And when they're conquering these lands, we read something. It tells us that Uvene Ruvain Bono es the descendants of Ruvain built Cheshbain and Elale in Kiryasayim. These are names of cities. Ves Nevoi, Nevoi is another name of a city. Ves Balmain, Balmain is another name of a city. Musabais Shame. Musabais Shame. What's Musabais Shame? Rashi says that these are the names that they used to have. Musabishem means their former names. That the Emirates, the, the pagans that used to live there, they named these cities, these names, after their deities. And therefore, when Ruvain conquered the lands, they renamed the cities and they stripped away the idolatrous references and they gave the cities good Jewish names. So that's what the, the verse continues to say. Uh, they were called with names of the names of the cities they built. Built here means that they conquested and they uh, rebuilt. And the point is that the, the cities used to be called something that had an idolatrous reference, and now B'nai Ruvain gave the, the cities holy names. All right. Now, in Toyota, we read a lot about conquest, a lot about war. A lot of, there was a lot of war in the ancient world. Uh, but this is the only place where we explicitly find a reference to changing or renaming the, the, the idolatrous name of a conquested city to a, to a, to a, uh, a holy name. Um, not that it never happened anywhere else, but this is the only place that it speaks about it. So then the question becomes... You know, nothing's, nothing's by accident. What is the connection between Ruvain's conquest of the lands outside of Eretz Yisrael proper and the idea of uh, renaming the cities that they, that they conquered? That, that's our first question. Second question is, the Shalah says that the Parsha of the week always has a connection to the time of the year. Even though seemingly it's just you know a practical thing that we divide the 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 the, the, the Torah the five books of Moses into uh, fifty three weeks in order to be able to finish it in the course of a year, but the Shalah says there is an underlying connection. Sometimes you have to search for it between the parsha and the time of the year. Matos, Masay, and Dvarim are always in the three weeks. The three weeks are the time of mourning because historically that's when the events leading up to, this, to, the, to the destruction of both temples took place. So, what is the connection then between this idea and the three weeks? Alright, so now we have two questions. First of all, 
Why specifically would we find this idea of renaming the cities in connection with Ruvain and their conquest of the lands east of the Jordan? And the second question is, what's the connection between that and specifically the three weeks, the time of, of national mourning over the destruction of the temple? So we're going to get to that, but I want to share with you first a story. And this story is really a, uh, a first-person account of an experience, a slice of life. The, uh, the story happened to a veteran, an Israeli veteran, named Yosef. Yosef Kabeliv. He was uh, on patrol in the Golan after 1967. And a jeep that he was riding in drove over a Syrian landmine. Two of his friends were immediately killed. Two others were seriously injured. He lost both of his legs. He woke up in the hospital. They had to amputate his legs. And that was it. He said his life was changed forever at that moment. Not only because of the loss of his legs, but because he said emotionally what, he was not ready for what happened to him. Um, the way people changed how they saw him. He said... First of all, the looks of strangers when he would be on the street in his wheelchair and just the looks of dread when people would look away from him and ignore him. He said, but even friends, even friends, he lost his friends. He became isolated. He said, why is it my fault? But they look at me and, and they're reminded of negativity and they want to be around me and people were uncomfortable around me. And he says, I didn't just lose my legs. I, I lost my, my, my standing in society. I lost my connection. I lost... Uh, camaraderie, I, I became completely alone and disenfranchised from society. And uh, it was extremely, uh, extremely painful. So Yosef was part of a group that the IDF organized to take a, a group of wounded soldiers, what they called, the, the IDF bureaucracy called it the Nechei Yisrael, the wounded of Israel. And they took them on a trip uh, in 1976 to New York. Somehow, a Lubavitcher Chosid found out the hotel that these veterans, these wounded veterans were staying at. He went to the hotel and he said to the group, I can arrange that you should meet with the Lubavitcher Rebbe in 770. Now, most of the group didn't really know what that meant, weren't really that interested, but a few of the Hevra, they knew who the Rebbe was, or at least they'd heard of the Rebbe, and they knew this was a big opportunity. So they convinced everyone else, guys, we have to do this, let's do it. So they went to 770. And the Rebbe spoke specially just to these wounded IDF soldiers. And Yosef remembers, he says, you know, we are men, all of us, who stood in front of generals and heads of staff and heads of state. We know what it is to stand in front of powerful people. But none of us ever felt the feeling of awe that we felt in front of the Rebbe like standing in front of a king of old, a, a, a melech. And, 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 and I spoke with all of the members of the group afterwards, and they said they all felt the same thing. That when the Rebbe entered the room, there was a presence, it was a, it was a different kind of a thing. Then the Rebbe began to speak. First, the Rebbe apologized for his Ashkenazic-accented Hebrew, and the Rebbe told them, if a person has been deprived of a limb or faculty, this itself indicates that God has given him special powers to overcome the limitations this entails and to surpass the achievements of ordinary people. You are not disabled or handicapped, but special and unique. 
as you possess potentials that the rest of us do not. I therefore suggest that you should no longer be called Nechei Yisrael, the wounded or disabled of Israel, but Mitsuyane Yisrael, the special, the extraordinary, the exceptional of Israel. After the Rebbe spoke, the Rebbe got up and walked to each one of these soldiers from, from chair to chair and gave them a dollar to make them a shliach mitzvah, to give tzedakah. And Yosef says, when the Rebbe gave him his dollar, the Rebbe looked him in the eye. He says, I saw many looks from people's eyes from the days I lost my legs. Looks of fear, pity, revulsion, guilt. He says, that was the first time I saw a look of true empathy. And the Rebbe looked at me and told me, thank you. And Yosef says, all the years of pain and loneliness all of a sudden melted away. Because what I had wanted somebody to tell me, and no one had told me, I just wanted to hear someone say thank you. At that moment when the Rebbe said those words, that was my healing. Yosef says, afterwards I spoke to everybody else and I found out the Rebbe had said something different to each one of us. When the Rebbe went one by one to give dollars, he said something different to each one of us. To me, I needed to hear thank you. The Rebbe told me thank you. It's a powerful story, but the purpose of my telling it in uh, the context of today's lesson is very specific. When the Rebbe said, this is 1976, you are not Nechei Yisrael, you are Mitsuyane Yisrael. You're not wounded, you're exceptional. This is long before PC, you know, political correctness, politically correct language. There's always been a concept of euphemism. Our sages call it Lushen Nikia, clean language. But generally speaking, a clean language, a euphemistic phrase, means that you're just trying to be polite, right? There's an elephant in the room. Everybody knows what this issue is, and it's not a good issue, but no one wants to say it because it's not nice. So you figure out gentle language, how to sidestep the issue and talk around it. When the Rebbe would speak positive, and the Rebbe was so careful with word choices, it wasn't to avoid saying the truth. It was in order to say the truth. You see, from the Rebbe's worldview, at least the way that it was conveyed to us and the way that I understand it, a lot of people see that you know, an optimist is not such a realist. Rose-colored glasses, Pollyanna, right, deluding himself. But the Rebbe's worldview is that in order to be a realist, you have to be an optimist, because if you don't see the positive, you're not seeing the whole picture. And to call this group of men Nechei Yisrael is not accurate. It's not just, it's not nice. It's not accurate. Calling them Mitsuyana Yisrael is accurate. You're exposing the truth by calling them exceptional. And you're failing to expose the truth. You're avoiding the truth by, by, just, by labeling them just according to their, their most external appearance, which is you know, that you see that they have a disability or a wound. This, this idea that to be a realist, you have to be an optimist. 
And, and specific, specifically with language, using positive language to bring out the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. You see this in many ways from the Rebbe. There's a, there's a famous letter that the Rebbe wrote to a, a hospital director in Tel HaShomer, in Eretz Yisrael. And in the letter, the Rebbe refers back to a conversation that they had had in, in person. Uh, the letter's in Hebrew, but I'll just read in English. The Rebbe's telling uh, the hospital director that, don't, why is a hospital in Hebrew called a betacholim, a house of the sick? It should be called a betrefuah, a house of healing. So the Rebbe wrote, even though this would seem to represent a semantic change, in other words, just, you know, word games here, who cares what words you use? The term bet not only brings encouragement to the sick, which obviously that, that is important, you know, to, to encourage them and to, to speak positive. We know in healing how important state of mind is. But not just that. This is the main point. It represents more accurately the goal of the institution, which is to bring about a complete healing. Therefore, why call it by a word that does not suit its intentions? You see... Calling it a bet refuah instead of a bet cholim, a house of healing instead of a house of the sick, not only is it nicer, gentler, more encouraging, more positive, it's more truthful. Yes, sick people go into a hospital, but if you, <laughs> that, you're only looking at a tiny little slice of, of, of you know, a, a snapshot. Oh, sick people, yeah, look at the big picture. Don't be so myopic. The big picture is that they come out well and that the purpose of the hospital is for them to come out well. So if you look at the big picture, at the whole truth, automatically you're going to see more positivity. And therefore, using positive language isn't just to avoid saying things that are unpleasant truths. No, no, no. Using positive language is actually the only way to bring out the whole truth. The hidden truth. That many people fail to see because they're only looking at... at, at, at they don't see the forest for the trees. They're only looking at what's exactly right in front of their face at the moment. You have to see the big picture. You look at a person, you see, oh, disabled. Hold on, look at the big picture. This is a human being with a story, with a narrative, with, with a background, with, with a past, a present, a future. And all of a sudden, you start thinking of them in, in this expanded way. You see, this is an exceptional person. So these are not Nechei Yisrael, this is Metziyone Yisrael. And, and, and that was the Rebbe's approach with language. Positive language brings out the truth. Now, how does this connect... Our first question, how does this connect to B'nai Ruvain conquering lands and renaming the cities? So you have to understand the whole idea of the conquest in the first place. Conquering the land of Israel basically means taking a mundane land, a regular land, and turning it into a holy land. Eretz HaKadosh, the holy land. So the whole idea of conquest here is taking something normal and making it, elevating it, making it holy, making it special. At first, the tribe of Ruvain told Moshe, can we settle on the other side of the land? And Moshe was very apprehensive, to say the least. He said, why do you want to not take part in this conquest where we're going to take the mundane and elevate it to the holy? And they said, no, 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 we want to be part of it. In fact, we will go to the forefront of battle. And they did. Ruvain, Ruvain and God, who settled on the other side, they, they were always in the front lines of battle. So we're going to help the forefront of battle, helping this conquest to... to, to Conquer the land for our brethren. And then when we're done doing that, we're going to go to the other side of the land, which is not even Eretz Yisrael proper, and we're going to conquer that and elevate that to a holy status. 
So the idea of taking the cities and renaming them, taking them out of their idolatrous references and bringing them to a, to a holy reference, it's, this, it's very much the same concept. It was a conquest, a conquest through language. And we make a conquest through language all the time. When we label something in a positive way, by seeing the truth, the whole truth, that there, there's an underlying positive aspect to everything, or really positive essence to everything, and calling it out and, and using our words to describe that, that's an act of conquest. Just like B'nai Ruvain taking those, those, those non-Jewish idolatrous cities and conquering them, making them holy, and giving them holy names. Now, what's the connection to the three weeks? Very simple. What are, what are the three weeks? A time of mourning? Well, if you look at a snapshot, yeah, it's a time of mourning. But if you look at the big picture, no, the truth is, this is a glorious time, in potential at least. The Rambam Paskins, as a matter of Jewish law, at the end of Hilchas Tainius, the laws of fasts, that when Mashiach comes, not only will, the, will these three weeks, the, the, the days of fasting and mourning, no longer be days of fasting and mourning, because Mashiach will be here, but not only will those days be canceled, no, they'll actually be kept, but they'll be transformed into Yemei Sosen Vesimcha, days of joy and gladness. Why? Because ultimately, Golos is part of Geula. Exile is part of the process of redemption. So if you see only a snapshot, you see the negativity. But if you see the big picture, you see the whole truth, now you see the positivity. And we have to reflect that in our language. And when we do, when we name and label and call out the underlying core goodness in everything that's part of God's plan, that is an act of conquest. Where we take something from the ordinary, where its positivity is not seen, and we elevate it to the extraordinary where, where the positivity is seen. We have this power through our words. So let's Exercise this power for conquest, this power to bring the world closer to Mashiach by seeing things in a bigger way, in a more true way, in a more accurate way, and bringing out the positivity and naming it and calling it by those names.